Hashtag SAFM Sport On. Let's now then turn our attention to uh, doping matters, matters of national interest over the past few days after what happened with uh, the Apiwet Yankee, the breakthrough player of the year uh, last year. And let's speak to Mr. Khalid Gallant from the SA Institute for Drugs Free Sport. Mr. Gallant, thank you, sir. Good evening and thank you very much for joining us on SAFM. Good evening, Tadisha. We really want to use this, this this opportunity to educate ourselves with you on the line here and not looking just at this specific case. And I want to start with the B sample because I remember when the, when the news broke and then people said they requested a B sample, people are asking, is it going to come back differently? How often does a B sample come back differently from the A sample? Uh, very, very rarely. Uh, and to understand why it comes back um, uh, very rarely is a different result. Uh, is that the B sample and the A sample is the same um, uh, urine. It's the same sample of urine. When the athlete is selected for uh, a drug test, uh, you have to give approximately 90 milliliters uh, of a urine sample, and that is divided into 60 milliliters into an A sample, and that's sealed, and into a B sample, uh, 30 milliliters, and that's sealed. So when the the A sample is first analyzed um, by the laboratory, and when they that substance is found uh, in the A sample, the athlete has the option um, to have the B sample analyzed to confirm the A sample result. So it's the same sample that was just divided into 60 and 30 milliliters. So the B sample process is uh, it's a con- it's what we call a confirmation, uh, con- a confirmatory test of the A sample result. So if it's the same sample, then what, w- what would be the motivation Correct. to request a B sample? Uh, that's just the way the uh, st- structure of sport over the years, uh, what drug testing has been, that there's always been an A and a B sample. Uh, it's very unique to sport. If you're uh, familiar with criminal law, when you get arrested, uh, or not arrested, when you get stopped for uh, a DUI and you have to do a breathalyzer test, there's just one, one result. There's no A mm-hmm. and a B sample or A test and a B sample. So it's very unique to sport, and it's just been... Through the years, um, uh, in terms of drug testing, it's always been a A and a B sample. And how does the process of testing work? Is it random? Do you have specific guidelines you look at when you're about to test a player? Uh, The testing is never random because that means we it's like playing the lottery and hoping for uh, whatever outcome. Uh, There are very uh, numerous variables that inform uh, our testing, uh, what we call our test distribution plan. Uh, whether which athlete we test, which sport we test, which uh, event, whether the test will be in competition or out of competition. So there are various factors that we have to take into account and various variables that influence those factors. Uh, uh, variables that influence um, when the test is going to occur uh, are, are such stuff as uh, whether it's an Olympic year or World Cup year, whether it's in the off-season or in-season, if there's a spike in performance of an athlete, uh, we, uh, we monitor it or if the athlete is uh, coming out of injury or recovering from injury. These are, are mainly variables that we use to influence or to uh, help us determine testing. It doesn't mean the athlete is guilty of anything. Do you get tip-offs? Uh, we do get numerous tip-offs, especially on uh, on the uh, high school uh, rugby level. We get numerous oh. tip-offs. And, uh, with that, we either do tests or we partner with our um, uh, partners in law enforcement and we investigate. Uh, part of our job is not only to test mm-hmm. um, and to catch athletes, but also to go 
after the supply to look at the root causes and eliminate the root causes. So, so then with everything you've said, does, does maybe testing intensify ahead of major tournaments like a World Cup or like oh, a... Definitely. Uh-huh. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, our testing will increase if it's the lead up to a Commonwealth year, Olympic year, or World Championship. And that's no secret. Athletes know this. Professional athletes know it's a World Cup year, uh, whether it's rugby or football. Um, so um, uh, what we try to do with uh, Olympic years or World Cup years, we try to ensure that uh, what we determine, uh, what would be a provisional squad, that at least uh, 100% of the athletes are tested. So it's no, that is no surprise, and athletes are well aware of that. And then is it a matter of resources that you don't have random testing then? Uh, yes, um, random testing is not the most efficient way of using our limited resources. Uh, so every test that uh, we do, uh, it must be well thought out and figured, and there must be a reason and uh, variables that inform it. Okay, if you've just joined us, we're speaking to the CEO at SAIDS, Mr. Khalid Garland, just to understand more about how they, they, they work, especially on the back of what's happened over the past a few days. And if you do want to weigh in or have any questions on this conversation, please free, feel free to call us. The lines are always open on this show. And uh, you can call us on 891 SMS line is 41391. And voice notes on WhatsApp 061 We're going to take a quick break and then I want to find out more about sanctioning after the break. Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM. Still talking to the CEO with SAIDS. Mr. Gallant, now help us understand then uh, sanctioning. Who determines the sanctioning? So there's, there, there's a framework for sanctioning in uh, the World Anti-Doping Code. Uh, a tra- an independent tribunal panel will uh, hear a case where an athlete is challenging uh, the charge. And each case, uh, as you uh, would assume is uh, treated on its merits, but there is a framework. Uh, so with substance like a steroid, uh, there's a minimum uh, sanction of a four-year ban from sport. With a substance like, say, uh, marijuana or stimulant, uh, there's anywhere from three, six months to a year or two years, and it depends on the athlete's defense and mitigating circumstances. But generally with steroids, it's, any, it's uh, a, a framework uh, stipu- uh, stipulating the guideline of four years. You mentioned mitigating circumstances. How does mitigation work? Um, uh, I, again, it's uh, uh, on a case-by-case basis, and the tribunal panel uh, will evaluate and give weight uh, to the mitigation, mitigating circumstances. Mm-hmm. And generally, if you recall, I think previously on the show, you interviewed me about uh, doping in high school and yes. about the uh, number of steroid, uh, uh, you know, uh, cases that we caught in high school. Mm. And uh, with some of those cases, they were mitigating circumstances because the athletes were minors. And the tribunal panel then uh, looked at the issue of minors and uh, reduced the sanction uh, from four years. And, you know, depending on the case, I think uh, one boy got uh, a six-month reduction, one boy got uh, um, a 12-month reduction. So it goes... But each case has its merits, and it depends on the panel, uh, the amount of weight uh, they give uh, to the mitigating circumstances. What about or the aggravating circumstances? Yeah, and what about the player? Does it work if the player pleads guilty? Do they ever plead guilty, the athletes? Uh, yes, uh, we actually have um, um, many players that do plead guilty, but they still go to a hearing, and the hearing doesn't then deal with uh, guilt or innocence because they've already pleaded guilty. 
but the hearing purely deals with what we call consequences. And what that means is the athlete is going to bring forward mitigating circumstances. The athlete knows they're going to get a ban, uh, but they're looking to get a reduced ban. Okay, let's go to a voice note here that's come through. Uh, hi, Tamiso. You're speaking uh, to Libra here in East London. And can you please ask um, the CEO what happened uh, to the case of Chiliboy Ralapele? Uh, what's up with that case? Because I've not heard anything from that case. Um, all I've heard is that, I don't know, he was, uh, you know, suspended, whatever. What happened with that case? Are they still investigating or what's happening? Thank you very much, uh, Tamiso. talking to Libra here in East London. My, my name is Wellington. Uh, what I think that should be done is that that awareness of uh, those drugs that um, all these sports people use, I think it must be started at grassroots. There must be a lot of awareness that is done in schools, in those sporting academies, so that the players will get to know about it at an early early stage a stage and they know the risks associated with taking such kind of drugs okay thanks for that i think let's pick it up from there mr Callant. you did say that it's not only about testing uh he's, he wants to know about awareness how much awareness is done and whose responsibility is that um again that is part of the awareness and that's a, a, a valid point uh in terms of awareness should start at the grassroots level uh, and we do partner with uh, various sports federations. Some works better uh, than others. Uh, if the listeners out in uh, Port Elizabeth, uh, you'll know that we've uh, done uh, fairly extensive uh, anti-doping education campaigns uh, at the high school level, both with rugby, with boxing, and uh, track and field. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's not as ex- it's not that well implemented across the country. Uh, but you are correct. Um, uh, any types of value-based education is always most effective at the grassroots level. Uh, but we shouldn't also draw the correlation that when a Springbok athlete uh, uh, tests positive or a professional athlete tests positive, that there's a problem at the grassroots level. Um, the support services that a professional athlete has around uh, him is very different from a Curry Cup player to a club player to a Craven Week player. A professional athlete has team doctors, physios, uh, all kinds of technical people with uh, specialized knowledge around uh, them that are supporting them that they can tap in uh, for information. Uh, So we shouldn't necessarily draw correlation to what a professional athlete does and assume that there is a gap in the knowledge base on grassroots level. The other question, Mr. Khalant, was from Libra about Chili Boy. I'm sure you do remember you gave us an update on this a couple of months ago. Yes, I was, I was grinning when they asked that question because that huge listenership is a very informed uh, sports listenership yeah. uh, because that case happened in January. Yeah. Um, Chili Boy is still under provisional suspension uh, and his case has not yet been concluded. It's still in the process. Just last week we had uh, the third adjournment uh, and I think next week uh, is a continuation of the hearing. So I anticipate uh, that hearing um, will still... Uh, happen for at least the next month before the uh, panel will be able to adjudicate and hand down the decision uh, on the Chile Boy matter. Is he being treated as a repeated offender? A repeat offender? Uh, again, that um, it's up to the tribunal uh, to decide whether um, um, they will. He has served a separate, a 
a, a first doping offence, so this is his second doping offence. If he is found guilty, they will treat it as a as a second offence. And then again, the World Anti-Doping Code prescribes a specific framework um, for a second offence, and that's a four years plus uh, sanction. So anywhere from uh, from four years upwards. Finally, on Apiwe, is it true that he was tested two weeks prior and it was negative and then he was tested again? Uh, correct, yeah. Uh, he was tested uh, uh, a few weeks before the uh, test that he returned uh, uh, the positive sample. Does it mean there was a tip-off? Uh, no, all that, uh, again, uh, all that means is uh, that, you know, something wasn't in the system on that day. Remember, uh, different types of drugs a different clearance level mm. and uh, um, you know I, I can't go into, into, into too much detail because it could be unfair to our peer it could probably be part of his defense so I don't want to taint uh, the defense that he is mounting on why one week a uh, few weeks ago his test was negative and then he turned a positive test so he will probably you know likely bring that information forward as part of his defense. Okay, but you've certainly give us an, given us a lot, Mr. Haaland, and a lot of insight. Thank you very much for finding time to speak to us and just educate us. Uh, you're welcome. Good night. Thank you. That's the CEO at the South, South African Institute for Drug-Free Sport, Mr. Khalid Haaland. They're talking to us about doping. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And let's get a quick view from our regular doctor here, regular friend of the show, Dr. Ntlopi Mohoru, former Bafana Sundowns team doctor. Doc, good evening. Thanks for being available to speak to us as always. Hey, good evening, Tadishon. Good evening to your listeners. It's always a pleasure talking to you. We always want to educate ourselves here, Doc. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that an athlete is aware of banned substances? Um, Tadishon, the responsibility lies entirely on two different uh, people. One is the athlete himself or herself. They have to be responsible enough to to take, yeah, I mean, to can know that uh, uh, there are banned substances and that could actually affect their, um, their performance and then um, they could be banned for life. But um, the second thing is that um, the, the medical doctor, it's uh, his or her sole responsibility to educate uh, athletes on on such matters and also to put the rules down. You know, when you are a team doctor, you need to set your rules down. The, the players need to know that whenever they consult anywhere else outside the medical your medical team, mm. whatever prescription they get, they need to actually discuss it with, with you as a team doctor. Mm. And secondly, is that Wherever they go, they need to actually make a disclaimer to the treating doctor that they are sports people. They need to be. They need. They, they, don't, they don't need to take any uh, banned substances. You know, they need to actually uh, uh, do a disclaimer to those treating doctors. But it actually lies on two: the mm. uh, athlete in him or herself. And a doctor. Is it good yeah, enough to simply doctor. say as an athlete that I didn't know what I was taking was on the list of banned substances? Yeah, but uh, it, it no, it's no excuse. Uh, um, uh, I think the, the, the doping committee eventually make it a, a ruling that um, um, or it, as a disclaimer to say it's no excuse not knowing uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's not good and it's not good enough an excuse 
Mm. Um, yeah, to, 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 to this thing. You, you know that you're a professional uh, athlete and you need to behave professionally and there are bad substances, you know. In, in the case it, of Apiwe, uh, he has anabolic agents from what they're saying, S1. In simple terms, what could that be? Uh, look, uh, uh, these drugs are classified as S1 substance, 1 substance, 2 substance, 3. There are those ones that you can get over the counter and, um, you know, when, you're, when, when you get into your body, um, it doesn't cause the... the I just want to get the right term mm. to try and explain to you. So those are drugs that uh, could enhance your performance, but mm. they are not banned. Yeah. So they are classified as one, S2, and S3. And when you check at that uh, book, you know, the booklet that they, uh, they issue out, you know, mm. uh, it's it classified, they are written as white, as black, and then uh, red and green. You know, the green ones, you know, they can still forgive you, but when it, it's written in red, mm. those, are the, those are the banned ones. You cannot take those ones. Uh-huh. What's Nandrolone? Because yeah. some say he's got Nandrolone and this shows intent. Nandrolone is a steroid. Ah, uh, sure. It is purely, it's a purely, 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 purely uh, steroid. You know, and you know, you see, the, the, problem, the, the, the problem is there's too many... There's too many uh, products available in the market. Mm. Uh, athletes go into a supermarket or they go into a strictly uh, muscle building program. They don't even know what contents are there. They never ask anyone. They just want to look big. And, but they don't have these steroids are the ones which are uh, actually banned, you know. Yeah. Is there enough education awareness? I don't think. Uh, we are doing uh, enough as uh, medical people and also I think the doping uh, agencies are honestly not doing uh, quite enough you know, to try and because it's their sole responsibility mm. to educate the public about uh, uh, doping you know, and also any healthcare practitioner is supposed to know about this doping because um, uh, some teams for example you, you get there are teams who don't even have Doctors, you know, yeah. and uh, they'll just go to any uh, GP, and it's, it's the responsibility of that general practitioner to actually uh, know about uh, this doping. That if he treats uh, um, an athlete, is that athlete not supposed to be taking any bad substance? Okay, doc, let's okay. leave it there. Thank okay. you very yeah. much. We're gonna have to have another conversation with you, yeah, especially when you say there's not enough awareness. But I want to go quickly to Veli Lemnyandu, the man who broke this big story for us this afternoon. Bafana Bafana Zambia officially called off. Now, Veli, how did you even get wind of this story? Well, coming so, um, we I got some wind last night from um, friends in Zambia uh, that there was a possibility of this game being called off. But I understand that at the time, the two FA presidents, uh, that is Dr. Jordan and also Mr. Kamanga uh, from uh, FAS, they were still uh, deliberating on what, what is the next step. Uh, but I understand that the decision was taken this morning that uh, the game would have to be called off. I also understand that uh, a group by uh, the name of uh, Zambian Association in South Africa, which is uh, Zambians who live in South Africa, they are the ones who put pressure on FAS. Uh, to consider um, this is silly after two 
um, Zambians were affected uh, were truck drivers, as you know, the situation with the touching of trucks in KZN, and uh, also some also were injured um, in the xenophobic attacks uh, around Gauteng yesterday. So what do you make then of this decision by the Zambian FA to officially cancel the game? It's a big statement. You did say in your story in this afternoon that it's probably a fest for football. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a strong message. And, um, and, and I think um, this is a statement that is um, surely going straight to um, the, government, the, the governing authorities um, in, in, in the country. Um, if there was one moment to show um, how... Um, bad uh, these xenophobic attacks, and also how they also impacted um, the diplomatic ties of South Africa, especially in the region. And South Africa, you must understand that it's, sort of, it's a superpower uh, in Southern Africa. It's one of the biggest countries. And I think uh, I said to be corrected, even the chairmanship of SADC currently resides with South Africa. So um, this, this is very bad for, for South Africa. And, and I think for me it was a necessary decision that had to be taken by, by Zambia. And Zambia, by the way, is, is always been a strong ally of uh, South Africa, uh, even from the days of uh, the struggle, uh, including mm. uh, with the ruling party as well. So I, so I, I think it's, it's, it's a very strong message. And uh, it's, a, it's a serious concern as well for the diplomatic ties of this country. Quickly, what does it mean for Bafana? Bafana overseas players are in camp. The game is no longer happening on Saturday. I understand that uh, the FA is working on Plan B, and they are working on getting a replacement. Um, the first option was to go with Zimbabwe, but uh, Zimbabwe, just like many other countries in the region, in the Kosovo region, they are currently tied up with the uh, 2022 World Cup uh, qualifiers in the preliminary stage. So now they've had to reschedule. In fact, they've had to look elsewhere. Uh, but I understand that they are at advanced stage in terms of uh, searching with uh, Madagascar. But it's likely to be a locally based Madagascar team and not uh, the team that you saw at the AFCON. Oh, wow. Always on top of his game, Velile Mnyandu. Thanks for breaking the story. Officially then, Bafana Zambia off due to the xenophobic attacks happening here in Gauteng. The attacks on foreign-owned uh, uh, shops there and uh, Zambia have put their foot down and they say they can't be part of this. We have to leave it there. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow on SAFM Spot On with me, Tabi Somosia.